Oh, wonderful. Actually, Dan, why don't you come up first? So I'd like to introduce Dan to you. Um, so Dan is what I want to know. I'm shifting one of our pastors in Birmingham. And this is my wife, Joan, those of you who don't know, she's up there. And Joe and I lived in Hull for 15 years. And uh, we moved from uh, Middlesbrough to start Jubilee Church Hull yeah, and uh, 15 years ago. And grew from there and then left the Jubilee Church Hull. But then helped plant out Freedom Church and also River City Church on the other uh, side of uh, in the east. And, uh, and then God spoke to us about uh, moving to the city of Birmingham. So we've been, actually been there two years. But Dan, it'd be just great to share a bit of your story about how God called you to be part of the church plant and what God be doing. Yeah, there's something to do. Okay, yeah. So um, I knew Dan, I was there for Birmingham 18, uh, 18 years. They went off to Manchester for uni and I did a couple of degrees, got married. Um, and then we, me and my wife, felt forward back to Birmingham for a while. We, we grew up in a particular part of Birmingham um, that was highly native cultural. Um, not many churches, and we always felt God calling us back there at some point. And so just before lockdown, um, my wife and I decided to go back there on a bit of a women of prayer and see what God would do. And so we're there, we're praying, we're praying for church, and praying for church plants. COVID hits, so everything goes really slow, <laughs> nothing's happening. And then about a year in, roughly, uh, we hear about you guys, and we hear about regions beyond, and that is a, a desire to plant in Birmingham. We meet Steve, and we meet Joe, we meet uh, David Six here, and Brian and Sarah. You guys know, um, and meeting with them, praying with them, sharing vision, sharing passion, getting our church going, and so now we're, yeah, a few church. The church a bit about the churches in Birmingham now. What, what's happening? So we we are Christchurch Birmingham. Uh, we are meeting in Aston, close to the Aston Villa Stadium, and uh, we have a couple of other church plants going on at the moment. We've got a couple of American families with us. And um, we were doing, uh, one of them is trying to start a church in Warsaw. It's a little bit north, not that far away. Technically a different city, but um, very close. We've got um, Brian and Sarah, who are planting in the east of Birmingham. And, and we also have know, another family planting in Maple. You've got a, a gathering going. And Abdullah Jamal, about you know him, he's also just, just about to go and try and plant a church in Mosley. So there's lots going on. Mosley and um, Birmingham's a massive city, so there's loads to be done. Um, but yeah, it's really exciting. It's really exciting. So what's the most exciting thing about being involved in the church? Like, so many things that are exciting. For me, because I came on like a women of prayer, like, and just to see it happening, it's just God's so kind um, to, to, for all that's happening. But we're reaching a really tough spot. We have, you know, Aston is, is a tricky place to have a church. Um, many different cultures. I grew up as like one of the only white kids in school. Um, and and I, I, my friendship group for lots of different cultures. Um, but churches weren't really reaching the cultures too much. So I had a bit of good stuff going on, but it's a pleasure to be part of a church that's really trying to do that. So we're talking to Muslim people in lots. That's a lovely um, uh, one guy who gave his life to the Lord not long ago. And we're just trying to do that as much as possible. Um, so there's lots of highlights. Well, a little bit. Yeah. Wow, it's bad, man, honestly. And just about your family. Yeah, so I'm married, my wife, father, um, three kids. Um, my wife's Jamaican, but grew up in Birmingham. Three kids, we got Ezra and then twin girls. They were one years old, boy is two and a half. Same so Ezra, Adelaide, and Jasmine. 
Uh, they're super cute, man. They're one years old. And they're just, yeah. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks, Dan. All right. Well, that's great. Right. So, as um, I, Dan mentioned, <coughs> with the, uh, we're now starting something up in Warsaw, which is the town up from us, from where Joe and I live in, a place called King Standing. It's just across another town, another big place. And the reason we parted there is um, we just had got the opportunity of having a building there. And uh, we didn't have really have any people, but we felt it was the right thing to do. And apart from the Samaritan family that now moved to be part of our church. And so we're now planting them out into a building. Uh, they've got two other people with them at the moment. <laughs> And that's it. Uh, but we believe you've got some, we've got the great building in a great estate, very similar to North Hull, called the Dells Estate. Um, and we're beginning to push out. So we just did a barbecue over the summer just for the church, because we do that in the summer. But we had about 50 guests come from the local community. And this week, on Saturday night, we've got our Korean uh, comedy night. So it's our next sort of outreach to try and reach people. And then we're looking to start meetings there once a month on a Sunday. And then hopefully in the new year, start something every Sunday. So that's a part of our family really with Beyond Now in, in Warsaw. Um, and the interesting thing is, you know, we, it's just trusting God when we're starting churches and planting churches. And you're here be with a result of prayer and what God's done and God is doing, adding and growing and seeing people come to know Jesus and people engage in church here in the north of Hull. And so we've been praying for also. Anyway, we've got to give this building. And we didn't have much money, but a little bit, to do things up and sort things out. But the problem is we have is the chairs. Now I've come in, you've got the poshest chairs I've seen in a church one. It's like the old wedding. Like we're going to have a wedding in a minute. You know, a fancy room. Well, yeah, we're very, very fancy. And, um, but what we had, we had like 1980s church chain which basically means they're wooden, so very solid, but fabric that was very dirty. And they had like a, a thing for your Bible to go in the back of them. And the problem with it was they don't stack. And so we've got typical, we'll do the whole way we can meet, and then we've got a community hall. And so we were like, we need more multi-purpose chairs. So we thought, well, we're just gonna get rid of them. So I sold half of them to another church, and the other half went 25. So I put them out the front, and not like in lots of areas, they just went one by one. But they went one by one to the house next door. So that lady's now got 25 church chairs. What's she on earth? You've done a vibrator. Who knows? I'm looking on Facebook to see if she's up, you know, marketing them or whatever you do. What do you do? What's it called when they got upcycle them? Who knows? Or they're going to end up in their community centre or mosque or something. I don't know where they're going to go. But it's okay, you get rid of chairs. You need new chairs, don't you? And I wanted a Jubilee. A few years ago, we got, I got some grunk on it and I put some really good chairs which were stackable on a trolley and you can push the trolley in and out and they're great chairs. And I wanted those, I said to Coral, who's leading the church, so that's what we need. Um, and we didn't, I said, we just need God to provide, but they're one and a half thousand pounds for 40 chairs with the trolley. So they're expensive, they're not cheap chairs, you know. So I said to Coral, well, just pray about it. We had a quick prayer and pray much in one of our staff meetings. A couple of days later, I go and have coffee with, with another pastor in the city. He starts off the meeting saying, I'm so sorry, I was so grumpy in that last met you. And I simply, that's uh, Afira, a student at South Aston, let me put it on uh, quite 
And um, the, we put, uh, what do I was going, got distracted. We were trying to turn this off. Technology, give this to mom, to somebody and put, put it on sign for me. And um, I said, well, let's just have a quick prayer and see what God does. So I meet with this pastor. He's always a bit grumpy last time I met you. And he was grumpy the last time I met him. So that's fine. He started talking and he said, um, do you need any chairs for your new building? Well, I said, well, yes, I do. But what I want is sort of stackable ones on a trolley so we can move them. And I need about 80. And he said, oh, I've got some. They were exactly the same as the ones Jubilee. Well, actually, they weren't exactly the same. They were the colour that matched that we needed in the new building. <laughs> so the same brand and the same trolley, 80. So it's great. But now I've got to go and get my cup of in my car. So I think, well, how are we going to afford the van? The van's underneath equipped to hire it. And I thought, well, I could hire a van, but it's just a bit crazy. Well, we'd be sorting out the building. We'd, we'd make friends with a couple of sweat mountain men. And uh, Cole rang one of them up and he said, I'll do it for 100 quid. And we're like, oh, that's a lot cheaper. And then I said to Cole, well, why don't you try the other guy? So he rang the other scrap up man and he said, oh, no, I don't want to do it. He said, but you could just use my van. So I just turned up with the keys. So they were unpacking down the motorway in 10 scrap metal van. Thinking, if I get stopped by the police, I'm insured. Well, one, what did I know I was insured? And two, whose van is it? Ken, Ken, who, the scrap man. What's his number? I don't know. Is it on the side? I don't know. And so he picked up his chair for one back. So he passed provision for us, the chairs and free. But there is one issue. By the, you know, Joe's sitting on those extra plastic chairs at the back, which aren't as posh. The cheap seats. They're looking at it. They're the cheap seats. The thing is, if you're sitting for, at church, you want a bit more comfort, don't you? So I was like, we could do some other chairs. A couple of days later, I'm on Facebook, and some chairs come up around the corner at the posh tennis club around the corner from me. I don't live in the posh a bit, but it's even posher than you are here. And so I turned up the tennis club. The, the colour matches the other colour that I just got, right? But they're comfortable chairs in good condition. Start chatting with the guys running the tennis club. And I said, you know, it's really interesting what you've done. And he said, oh, yes, I got funding for it. And we had a lot of conversation about it. He said, do you need any funding for your new building in Warsaw? I said, well, yes, I do. Because I've got to put in a disabled toilet because we haven't got proper disabled toilet. And I said, there's also, I'd like to sort out a few other things. And I said, well, oh, he said, I'm a trustee for a charitable trust. He said, um, I'd love to just help him fill out the application form for it. So it came last week, or was it the week before? So we applied for 45 grand to do some stuff on the building. Now, it's not 100% guaranteed, but when you've got the guy who's on the, a trustee who knows how to fill an application form and helped us, we're on the way. <laughs> uh, so just finally, God provides it. He's not things. He provides chairs. Why does he provide chairs? He's got interest in chairs, not really. What he's interested in, the people are going to sit in those chairs. And so we really believe in God for, for Walsall and trusting him in what God's doing. Uh, Brian and Sarah send their love to you. Those of you who know Brian and Sarah, they're part of Freedom Church before you prayed them out uh, and sent them to Birmingham. And I'm sure they would have loved to be here, but I needed Sarah to help lead the meeting because Dan couldn't I help lead the church and Cora was already preaching. So uh, she stayed at home and helped lead uh, Christ Church. And so they're still starting something in the East. They're still praying. It's slow, hard work. 
but we're connecting with them and really helping them. So it's wonderful what God's doing. And we're, we're all involved in this as we pray for you, for your church. And you've been praying for Brian and Sarah and now calling they're going to call their church the Living Hope Church. And there, you know, we are in the ship together, aren't we? Believing God that he wants his kingdom to come right. right across this nation and across the nations. And as we pray for you, you pray for them and it's part of what we're doing uh, together. Well, it is great to see you and the old friends and new friends here. So I'm only saying what God is doing here uh, in the north of the city. And it's so important uh, to have support and care and an outside perspective on what God is doing, have oversight. And I love that part of my church where others come in and see and help and ask advice and as others help, advise you and care for you. That's why we've got this family uh, called uh, Regions Beyond. And, but also as people help you, you know, you as a church are helping to shape what God is doing in Regions Beyond about who you are, but also releasing Josh at times to go and help and support and help train in church planting across the UK. So it's wonderful, this partnership that we have together. Now, as part of the family of Regions Beyond, we have vision and we have values that really help us to establish the kind of churches we believe that God wants us to be. And over the last couple of weeks or whatever it's season, You've been looking at some of these values, haven't you? What does it mean? Uh, what is some of our values as Regions Beyond? And here's the one I want to talk about, which Josh did in, introduce. We are here for one another's success. Turn to your neighbour and say, I'm here for your success. Oh, somebody's really upset on the other side. Tell your other neighbour, I'm here for your success. Yeah. We are here for one another's success. Now, if you have a Bible with you, uh, we're going to look at Philippians and chapter 2. But actually, in a moment, Susan is going to be able to put it up on the screen, hopefully. And Paul wrote this lecture to the Philippians while he was in prison. And he gets the news that one of the churches that he's helped start was experiencing some disunity. There were some challenges going on. And so he writes this lecture in order to lay the foundations to help bring the church together and then we find out in chapter 4 at the center of this division are two influential leaders in the church they've fallen out there's uh, Idoa and Suduishi and it's unclear what has happened but it's had repercussions in the church and conflicts are growing and let's read how Paul then addresses this situation so Philippians 2 says this Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being found in human likeness 
and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him to the highest place and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God's Father. I don't know if you've ever had any divisions in your family or conflict, or you've had discussions or arguments or debates with friends and neighbours. You know, we can live in a divided world, can't we? We have the Brexiters and the Remainers. We had, we have Labour and the Tories. Pro-life, pro-choice. With our American friends that we have with us now, we have little debates on guns or no guns. Believers in Russell Brand and the non-believers. Rovers or High FC. <laughs> Family breakdown, communities and neighbours at war, iPhone or Android. So in this city as well, and in our communities and in Northville, there are times when there is hatred, when there's discord, when there's fighting, when there's isolation. However, we are all people here, aren't we, who long and I think everyone longs for a sense of togetherness and in oneness. We want you to see. We want a closeness together. We don't want conflict. All of us, I'm sure, are looking for friends who are loyal, trustworthy, who are friends not just because of what we do, just because they're our friends, regardless of our own current situation and circumstances. And the best demonstration of unity and a community of love Grace should be a united and beautiful church. See, God is wanting to create communities of unity amongst the divisions and factions of our society. In the middle of racial disunity, social and financial equality, God, by his Holy Spirit, is bringing people together. People that buck the trends, and are living out what society should look like across the nation and the nations. Because God's intention has always been to create communities of believers where a new way of living is demonstrated, is on display, and he longs for his people to demonstrate his love to one another and to the world. And here, as we read this as, as story, this challenge that he's bringing to the church. Paul is pleading with the church, come together, be in one mind, in one spirit, and he's fighting for unity and togetherness. In chapter 1, verse 27, it says this, whatever happens, conduct yourselves worthy, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whenever I come and see you or only hear about you in my aspects, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one faith of the gospel. Then in chapter 2, verse 2, it says, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. 
Why is that? <laughs> because when the world is divided across class, financial, racial lines, it is something that really destroys, doesn't it? People's lives and expectations and experience. So when there's power in a united church, it will demonstrate something. Because when a church is united in heart, in mind and purpose, it's not just good because it's nice. It's good because it's powerful. Because it demonstrates who God is and the nature of God. Because a church is living out a united purpose. And that's demonstrated and wants to be demonstrated in Freedom Church. A church that is full of unity. That's full of caring and love for one another. That is together despite our different backgrounds and experience. We are demonstrating unity. As we think further across our city, churches working together, praying together, standing together, being there for one another. As you pray, is it next Friday? You gather, is it next Friday? You gather together to pray with Jubilee and River City. You're demonstrating something of unity. We are there for one another. We might have different faiths and it might look slightly different, but we're standing together in prayer and seeking God together. And then so we expand out other churches which are not like us, where we speak good of them, we speak one of them. We encourage them because we are one in Christ Jesus. And as our family of church of regions beyond, where we have all different flavours and expressions of who we are, we have the same DNA, which is wanting to be one united body, where we can be encouraged by one another, where we can strengthen one another, where we can give to one another. It was wonderful to be in Jubilee. They gave, we've, we've got challenges in the north of India, we've got also challenges in Pakistan, and they just took up an offering last week in Hull. And they just, they gave a thousand pounds. Dan gave a one minute thing. We want to cry. Didn't even show any videos, didn't even put out a picture. And the church had supported. They're my brothers and sisters of our family who have been persecuted. We're going to give finance to them. They were there for one another. Just before Jesus, hours before Jesus was crucified, this is what he prayed in John 17, 2021. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me, that through their word, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they all must be in us, so that the world believes that you have sent me. But when Jesus prays this prayer, he's not praying that we'd all be the same. It doesn't mean he wants us all to look the same, to dress the same, talk the same, eat the same, think the same. Jesus isn't praying for clones. They, that we all become one same looking type of people. That we're indistinct from one another. It's actually the opposite to that. The Bible loves our differences. God speaks of that. Rather than trying to conform us to looking one, God celebrates our differences, our cultures, our thinking, our upbringing, our dress, our ethnicity. What Jesus is praying here is that we would have friendships that would be unified, that would be harmonious because they're around who God is and what God loves. Because when we have a unified church, we reflect the unity that is in the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And when a church is disunited, 
across the city, across the nation, when it's divided, when it has its own factions and selfish ambition in the mix. Right? It doesn't reflect the God that we worship. We might say one thing with our mouths, but very different lives say something different. So what we want is when people walk here, in here even on a Sunday afternoon, or they meet with friends, whatever we're doing, people don't just hear about a wonderful God and who he is. They sense sin, they feel him, they see it in the family of God. They meet one another. Oh, you're for one another. You love one another. You're connected to one another. And as we do that, they begin to taste who God is. They feel God, they sense God, they hear God. So, so why do, does divisions grow up? Why sometimes is the church had a bit of disunity? Why sometimes are there challenges in the church? Well, Paul tells us in three, verse 3, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Conceit is the root cause of selfish ambition in somebody's life. Conceit is the root of rivalry. The word actually literally means vain glory or empty glory. Hunger for a glory that does not satisfy. If we're really honest, we want people to really love us, don't we? We want people to see us for who we are. But sometimes that takes a step more. We just want the glory. We want to push ourselves forwards. We want to be number one. We want our voice to be heard above others. And that's sometimes a drive in us. Well, the biblical meaning of glory is waste, substance. Now, you know, often something, if you buy something, if it has some quality to it, it's probably got a bit of a heavy feel to it. <laughs> glory is about having our life, having weight, substance, meaning, significance. But here's the issue. We all need to have a sense of glory in our lives, no matter who we are. But sometimes that overtakes and it drives us. And that's what often drives many people in the world. Maybe it's a career or a hub. We want a husband or a wife or a family or money or to achieve or to look a certain way or to be recognised. We just want our life to have weight and significance. We want our life to have a feeling that we are significant, that we matter, that we carry weight in this world. It is that issue because of our own insecurities that we can bring, often bring division. But glory is not often quickly passes by and can disappear. So here Paul's saying, do nothing out of conceit, looking for glory, having selfish ambition. See, ambition is where we're out for our own piece of glory our own significance. Because if your worth is based on the amount of glory you have in this life, you're not going to be pleased when somebody else is getting the attention, are you? Those of us who've got more than one child, we haven't, but I can see with children play, rivalry is a big thing. Who's got brothers and sisters? You know, who wants to sometimes get the biggest attention in the family? You remember those divisions of they but life's often like that, even in friendships. In the workplace, who's been in the workplace sometimes where there's jealousy and division and somebody is just pushing forward because they want to be seen. When you're doing all the hard work, somebody else takes the glory. Who's been there? 
But that's often what the world is about. The Bible and God talks about us doing something very different. How do we deal with this? How do we deal with sometimes our own selfish ambition? Verse 3 enforces this, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Or another way of putting it is our value as regions beyond. And the value that we want to be here in Freedom Church. We are here for one another's success. We desire friendship locally and internationally. In our worldwide mission, we take responsibility for doing all we can to ensure and enjoy each other's success through practical relationships. And that's the closest language we have in the Bible to that, to our value. So we're not just interested in ourselves. We're interested in the good of one another. We get excited when we hear another church in North Hull is seeing people get baptised. We get excited when we see, we hear about prayer meetings where God is moving in the city. We celebrate one another's success. We're not just interested in our own financial situation, but also to the financial situation of others. As is demonstrated, we think about what God wants us to do in giving to Pakistan or Northern India. We're not just concerned about our own time and our diary, but also to the time and diary of others. You know, that's why I'm so thrilled that Josh can now and is serving the wider family of regions beyond. Because the success of other churches is as successful as what God wants to do here at Freedom Church. We don't just focus again on our own emotions, but also on the emotions of others. We're not just interested in our own tiredness, but also to the interests of others. Any community with this humility will flourish. We can demonstrate and live out this humility because of what Christ has done for us. It says of Jesus, being in the very nature of God did not concern, consider equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, God in one, all have existed from the beginning of time before time, for an infinite amount of eternities, coexisting together, giving to one another, serving one another, totally united, and all receiving glory and honour and prayer and worship and adoration from the heavenly beings. One with position and status and majesty and glory at the centre of attention, secure in the pleasure of his Father, in perfect peace and love and joy. What did Jesus do? Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Here's Jesus, the God of all eternity. But knowing and caring about the difficulty and mess that we are, Jesus does something incredible, doesn't he? We are in a mess. We are separate from God. We were far off from God. We were dead, the Bible says, in our sin, cut off from him. Nothing we can do to earn our salvation, to get out of this mess, 
to be put by right in our relationship with God. So what does Jesus do? Jesus, who has all power and authority, steps out from his heavenly face as the Lord of the universe, the one who created all things, and he took off his robes of glory. He took off his fiery, holy blaze of glory, and he took on flesh. He took on humanity. He became a man, just like us. He steps away from status and position from majesty and glory so that he could be born in our likeness they become human he was born to a peasant family in the north of israel he lived as a carpenter's apprentice the lord of glory who had angelic beings worshiping him left back and humbled himself led even a hidden life for a season on the sidelines for you and I. Not a nobleman, not a king on earth, but born to a peasant girl. To all perceptions, out of wedlock, a manger to bully in a conservative religious village like Nazareth. See, he could have rightly revealed himself as the Lord of glory. And there was once a time when he was transfigured, when he was praying, and we're told that his face shone like Lestan in his clothes, was so affected by it that he became a dazzling white. That was his true identity, that who he was. But he didn't try to hold on to any earthly prominence or earthly praise or earthly position. In fact, even when people tried to make him king because they loved his miracles, he got out of town quickly because he was a servant. A servant. Because he came for our success, for our salvation, not for himself. He came to give the Father glory. Verse 8 says, And became obedient. He was found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He went so mad in the end, in order to serve us, in order to see us, Lifted up, he became obedient to death on the cross. He was willing to be sidelined, willing to be forgotten, willing at times to be overlooked, so that you and I could have life and succeed and be lifted up. And at the cross, we see Jesus himself humble himself before anyone. He humbles himself before his friends. He's abandoned and forgotten. He's pushed out by his fellow Jews. He's scrubbed out by the Romans. And most painfully, his father turns his face away. That's why Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did Jesus do that? Because of us. To serve you and I. For even the Son of Man came, Jesus said, not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Because he's about serving us, not his own needs. Even to the point of being pushed off the face of the earth, considered a scum for you and I. And Jesus, in going so low, therefore we become lifted up. Jesus died that we might live. Jesus was humiliated so that we may be honoured before God. 
Jesus was filed in the eyes of the world so that we could succeed before God. He became low, lower than we would ever have to go so that we could be lifted up to God. Jesus abandoned his position so that we now might be now seated with him in Christ in heavenly places. Jesus rejected earthly glory so he could receive true, lasting, weighty, substantial, heavenly glory. He is now exalted above every other name. He is seated. He has won the victory for us. He has defeated sin for us. Jesus did all that for us. And so if you are in Christ, if you're a Christian here this morning, it means you are baptised into that reality. Soaked in this incredible act of humility. It's so important that we understand that, that we grasp it. Because it would change everything. And then it, as we receive that, it will help us to be there for one another. As we finish, I just want to touch on just a few things. What does that mean for us here at Freedom Church? Well, it means this. We're a people, therefore, who take on jobs sometimes that we don't want to do if it means the church will thrive because of it. Sometimes we're just willing to serve. We're willing to give. As you grow, it means at times sometimes you're happy to let go of your role and responsibilities and status and ministry if it means serving others better. Sometimes there'll be people that'll be able to come as we grow here who actually might be better at leading the worship, might be better at preaching. And we say, well done, <laughs> take it on, <laughs> because we're willing to stay humble. We're a people as well who say quickly and often, Sorry when we've wronged suddenly. That's when we're there for one another's success, that we are willing to admit our mistakes because it's not about them or their position. It's about the health of his church, of God's people. Thirdly, of my seven, we're a people who won't be easily offended by others. Are you offended easily by others? Do you get hurt quite quickly? Is your defence come on quite a lot? Well, that's not what God wants for his church. See, we don't want to be concerned with our own ego, ego or position or what people think of us. We're not a church where we want to get offended easily. We don't have many toes to tread on. We're a people who won't be sensitive. Because actually, sensitive people are usually sensitive because they're concerned about their own fragile glory that they have. And if people knock their sense of significance or worth or self-esteem, they can get very upset. I'm sure you're not like that. I know I can be. Because deep down, you actually want glory for yourself. We don't want to be people like that, do we? Because we're there for one another's success. Fourthly, we are people who always want to find ways to lift people up, to encourage, to speak well of other people, to show up and to thank them, people, for what they are doing and serving. Even sometimes, when you're part of that success, you just honour others. We're people who don't always have to defend ourselves, even when we're misunderstood. You know, it's so easy when we're misunderstood, where people sometimes have a perception of us that is wrong, <laughs> that's not true. 
Sometimes they're totally wrong sometimes. But actually it's not about us. You know, sometimes we will be misunderstood. Our motivation, our heart, our actions. Why? Because like Christ, we do not have to go around trying to show and say what really happened. We just want to be humble. To listen where we need to change and to move on. We're a people who will celebrate the success of others. If somebody does well, we cheer them on. We encourage people. We say thank you. We celebrate others' success. We value and we pray for them. We're also people who don't compare ourselves to others. We understand the unique God gift that God has called us to. We're people who are comfortable serving even when we're not noticed. And also, finally, we're willing as a people to suffer loss in our own life for the sake of others. We want to be there for one another's success, for one another here at Freedom Church, for one another in this city, as regions beyond us, we serve and we look to serve others. We say, we want to see you lifted up. We're excited about what God is doing over here because your success is our success because it's about the glory of God. And so therefore, we have to make sacrifices at times, individually, in our own situations, where there's division, when there's strife, to repent, to ask God to forgive us and to move on. And at times we have to go the extra mile to support what's going on in Pakistan or Uttar Pradesh or wherever it is in the world that God is, has our brothers and sisters. Why don't we just stand up for a moment if you're able. I want to encourage us. Are we willing to show humility? Are we wanting others to succeed? Maybe for some of us this afternoon. Maybe God's just touched on something where you're not there for others' success. Maybe you do get easily angered or upset. Maybe you are one that doesn't speak positively of others. You just like to pull people down. Maybe we gossip. Maybe at times we bring division. Maybe sometimes we're jealous of others or jealous of other churches and we don't speak well of them. We just need to ask God's forgiveness. And say, God, I don't want to be like that. As I look to Jesus and what he's done for me, I want to follow his example, who was humble. I'm not going to believe the lies that others say. I'm going to look to you, Jesus. I'm going to trust you for that person. Why don't we just reach out to God now? Maybe there's, there's a person that's come to mind, a situation. Maybe for some of us, we've come from other churches where we have had some challenge and difficulty, and some of that has not been right. But what we still need to do is ask, I'll take our responsibility for letting go, for believing God for success for them as they follow Jesus themselves. Just for a moment, just why don't you just talk to God yourself about a person or a situation, a challenge, a division. Maybe there's something you need to, again, just be humbling to lay down. Maybe you need to say, I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to come early and set out the chairs or set out the PA. There's something I need to do because I'm here for the success of everyone. Not just about what the needs I get out of church, but I want to give to this community.